This episode of Market Foolery brought to you by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, today at netsuite.com. It's Wednesday, September 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, she's not on Twitter, but she is here in the studio, Emily Flippin. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me, even though Twitter won't. <laughs> I think Twitter will have you. <laughs> I get that question on Twitter every time you're on the show. Like, where is? I was like, no, she's Maybe not. Maybe I won't have Twitter. I'll put it that way. There we go. Uh, we've got earnings. We've got pet earnings, packaged food earnings. We're going to start with FedEx, and technically these are earnings. Although fourth quarter profits for FedEx came in lower than expected, their revenue was also down, and they cut full year guidance and. They didn't really hold back in terms of all of the challenges that FedEx is facing as a company. And if you look at FedEx as a bellwether business, then there is cause for concern because shares of FedEx are down 13%. This is the worst day in over a decade. Yeah, and FedEx is one of those businesses that tends to actually respond pretty significantly to changes in the macro environment. So, you know, when they had this this poor report, to put it nicely, uh, there were a lot of things that they pointed to as as contributing. One of those being the trade war, right, and a softening macro environment. Another one being the recently severed ties with Amazon, which earlier this year canceled their contracts with FedEx for both ground and air shipping uh, to do their own initiatives and to you know. Speedier delivery, but what I thought was really interesting is, you know, FedEx for a while has been a questionable investment, uh, just because they're spending so much money to invest in their infrastructure. Um, clearly, there's some softening in their B two B business, their business business to business um, area, which is their higher margin uh, business line. And then, in addition, with the with the issues with Amazon, what I thought was interesting is going back, they actually downplayed a lot of these things. I think in, in previous calls, which is why this earnings report in particular was so big for them. You'll see a lot of analysts, Wall Street analysts as well, were. Were actually kind of defending their positions, where they were taken aback by it, saying, "Wow, they really misled us with with how bad this could be moving forward." Um, at the time, they said Amazon only made up about 1.3 percent of revenue, and this earnings call, you'll see, they're they're kind of, you know, using that Amazon as as a scapegoat for for part of their poor performance. Yeah, it's interesting because Fred Smith and his team have uh, have been there a long time, and. It, you know, this is a tough business to run, and I think in general, Fred Smith and his team have run it well. But you're right, absolutely, about this quarter and the reaction in the investing community because it, it was a little bit of that. Like, wait a minute, this we is we knew it was bad, just not that bad, right? This isn't what you've been saying in the past about Amazon. Also, and this is you know, this got a little bit of play. This is not. I don't think this is as significant as what you mentioned in terms of Amazon and and sort of the the trade war and the the macroeconomic impact. But you go back to the acquisition of TNT Express mm -hmm. and FedEx really trying to expand in Europe, and now with the benefit of a few years hindsight, you can look at that and say, you know what? That didn't go nearly as well as you wanted it to. And yes, there was a cyber attack, and you know whether or not FedEx is to blame for that. You know, even if if you absolve them of blame in that situation, the case that they were making for acquiring TNT Express and the synergies that could be wrought out and how they could expand their gross margins that just doesn't happen. It really hasn't happened the way they wanted it to. And I think. 
we're seeing today sort of a, a, a coalescing of a lot of negative opinions of, of sort of the well, wait a minute, that didn't work out the way you said it was going to. Now you're telling us something different about Amazon, and I think for the first time in a long time, there's genuine skepticism about about FedEx as a business. Yeah, I agree, and it's not to say that I think FedEx is going anywhere because I look five years from now, and I do think FedEx is still going to be relevant and still going to exist as a business, but it does call into question the capital decision making of management, especially now that they're spending so much money to do stuff like modernize their infrastructure. Some that they arguably should have done in priority over acquisitions, right? So it does kind of, I think, lead to a lot of skepticism from investors. But when I think about FedEx, while I don't think it's going to be a particularly outstanding stock over the next few years, you can't deny that they're good at what they do. Um, and this might be kind of peak FedEx hate, especially if we don't enter a recession, you know, in the next few I'd say six months. Well, and also you think about the next few months going into the holidays. Mm-hmm. If FedEx has a blowout quarter in early 2020, then this is a distant memory. But just we'll close on the stock. As I mentioned, down 13%, worst day in over a decade. Are you interested at this lower price, or do you think, you know what, there are enough question marks, some of which FedEx has raised, <laughs> that I'm just, I'm not. Buying this value play option. Yeah, I think they've lost a little bit of trust from me here. Uh, their new earnings expectations are about 20% below what they were just before they reported. So, this one report alone decreased 20%, which is still a significant year over year decline. So, I'm still not excited by this business, but I also don't think it's the you know doomsday scenario that some people may feel like it is today. All right, let's move on to Chewy, which is the pet food and products retailer. Chewy's second quarter loss was smaller than expected. They raised revenue guidance for the full fiscal year. Chewy stock down about five percent. This, uh, why is it down? This, and I don't own the stock, but I just sort of look at this and think this is kind of what you would want to see. I think if you're a shareholder. Well, yeah, I'm actually um, I'm not a shareholder yet, but I'm a big fan of this business. I was happy by their recent report. I feel like some of the um, market I don't want to call it confusion. The market response is is twofold. At first, this is their first report since becoming a publicly traded company. Um, you know, we've seen the market destroy a lot of these high flying IPOs. So it's not a terrible surprise that you know since it didn't completely blow out expectations that. The market responded the way it did, but it's also so they they posted a narrower than expected loss as long as you take out the non cash based uh, stock based composition compensation expenses. If you include that, it's actually a significantly bigger loss. So I guess it depends on how people are perceiving the losses attributable to them as shareholders. Are they including stock based compensation? Are they not? Personally, when I look at these types of companies, which are still very much in the growth stage, I don't tend to add a lot of sway to stock-based compensation, but I can understand why investors do. Ultimately, Chewy is not profitable, um, so it makes sense that people, when they see that sticker shock of the first number, think, ooh, is this company ever going to be profitable? But I'll give my quick two-second Chewy pitch here. Chewy could easily be profitable if they just scaled back their marketing expenses. But Chewy continuously shows that the lifetime value of the customers that they acquire significantly outpaced the amount 
amount that they spend to acquire that customer in sales and marketing. So the fact is, is that the company doesn't want to be profitable right now. And in fact, if you're thinking about FedEx and you're thinking about some sort of pullback in the market, pet supplies tend to be pretty resilient when it comes to recessions. And Chewy by far has the biggest presence for online pet sales, which is still really nominal. The number of purchases that are made online for pet sales in comparison to apparel or electronics. So there's significant room there for new customers to come into Chewy's atmosphere, for Chewy to acquire those customers. I mean, this year they're projected to do about $5 billion in sales. So it's a big, big business. It's not pets.com, as many old school investors <laughs> might think, um, but it's an exciting company. They had active customer growth of 49% year over year, gross profit improvement, gross profit margin improvement. So, a uh, lot to like here. Personally, um, I see this pullback and I get a little bit excited if I could just keep my mouth shut about the company. Maybe I could actually buy some. So, is this a company that you think is potentially an acquisition target? I'm thinking of a couple of years back when Blue Buffalo, which was in this line of business, was a public company standalone, and General Mills came in and snapped it up for around eight billion dollars. Chewy right now valued at about eleven and a half billion, so it'd be a little bit more someone would have to pay for them, but. If you're making up a list of reasons to buy this stock, is that on the list? No, not at all. 100% never going to be acquired. And that's because the company was actually sold to PetSmart by its founder uh, back in, I believe, 2011, if memory serves, uh, or 2017. Maybe it was founded in 2011, 2017, sold to PetSmart. Uh, PetSmart now owns the vast majority of the business, virtually entirety of the voting control of the business. And that's the single biggest risk with this investment. And I was probably amiss for not mentioning it in my quick pitch earlier, is the fact that ultimately PetSmart is a declining business. Uh, they're an old school retailer, and they're going to leverage their ownership of Chewy's to the best extent that makes PetSmart money, not investors. So, I don't think this is a company that PetSmart is going to ever consider selling to somebody looking to acquire it, simply because it's the only part of their business that is offering any growth opportunities. Quick shout out to NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, and the problem that growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is the patchwork quilt of business systems. One for accounting, another for inventory, another for sales. It goes on and on. It's inefficient. It takes too much time, too many resources. And that hurts the bottom line. And that's where NetSuite by Oracle comes in. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. It gives you the visibility and control that you need to grow. And with NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, HR instantly, right from your desktop or phone. And that is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite's offering you valuable insights for with a free guide. It's called Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. You can find it at netsuite.com slash fool. That's netsuite.com slash fool. Download your free guide. It's free. What do you got to lose? Seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash fool. Speaking of General Mills, back when they bought Blue Buffalo, um, that kind of showed up in this first quarter report from General Mills. It was it was sort of a mixed quarter. The pet division's looking pretty good. The snack 
bar division, not so much. Yeah, actually, pet food was the only division that saw any growth uh, this quarter for General Mills. And I think what investors really just, um, I'm going to say, were excited about. I'm not. I think excited is probably an overstatement, but they enjoyed seeing that you know earnings still beat expectations. Um, the fact that they reaffirmed organic net sales guidance for the year of one to two percent, all of that 53rd week. Is definitely helping them out there <laughs> to the tune of about one percent. Uh, so even though they missed on revenue this quarter, I think the um, the fact that there wasn't lower guidance was probably a good thing, and that's why the market generally responded pretty positively. Uh, but like as you mentioned, it's really just pet food. That that acquisition of Blue Buffalo for them was the single thing that's keeping their business afloat right now. Pet sales grew. Pet food sales grew about seven percent. Um, and while pet food, I don't think it is the first thing that it comes to mind when you think about General Mills. I definitely think it's framing the way that they're considering their business. Ultimately, pet food sales is about 10% of their business, which is uh, almost as big as their entire Europe and Australia business, and bigger than their Asia and Latin America business. So The fact is, is that pet food has become a big part of their business. and The softening demands on the North American retail side for things like cereals and snacks, those are the things that are really kind of dragging down this business. So it'll be interesting to see what they're thinking about in terms of restructuring their product. But unfortunately, General Mills is a, a big company with a long history, and they tend to be slow to innovate. Here's another thing that's not helping General Mills: the news this week that Gold Medal Flour, which is one of their brands that they have, um, General Mills issued a recall for 300 tons of flour for potential E. coli contamination. That sounds terrible. But when you say that, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't think I could tell you how many. Three tons of flour is like is that is that a lot of flour for General Mills? Is that a small Three, amount? Three hundred tons. Three hundred tons. Well, it sounds like a lot. I will say that. And it, let's just hope this doesn't happen to Blue Buffalo. Exactly. And I'm not concerned about it because uh, when I bake, I use King Arthur flour. Oh, yeah. That's you know, that's I'm I, I'm a little bit of uh, I have brand loyalty when it comes to flour and baking products. Here's another thing that surprised me though. I mean, for you know, for the mixed quarter, and you're absolutely right. I mean, pet food is not. What the average person thinks of with General Mills, it's you know it's probably breakfast cereal. This stock is up more than forty percent year to date. This is this is not at all was I what I was expecting when I started looking into General Mills. So it, it will be interesting to see with all of the brands they have under their portfolio and the success thus far of the Blue Buffalo acquisition. It'll be interesting to see what this company's brand portfolio looks like in say five years. Because it really wouldn't surprise me if they started looking to shed some of these snack brands, mm-hmm. um, maybe not the breakfast cereal ones, just because I, I I think they're so ingrained and and maybe that's a business that's essentially on autopilot. But it wouldn't surprise me if they started looking for more opportunities in the pet space. Yeah, and honestly, as somebody who has at least one bowl of cereal a day, I hope that they stay in this cereal game. They've kept it competitive. They kept options available to us cereal connoisseurs. But I couldn't agree more that I would expect for them to really uh, hammer down on the brands that are actually driving growth for the company. What's your go-to cereal? Unfortunately, right now, it's it's a little bit basic. Honey Nut Cheerios have made their re-rounds to me. But Traditionally, as I go back a month, it was always Special K. Really? Oh, yeah. The, the flakes are so crunchy. Yeah, and they've done a lot uh, with flavors. It's one of yeah. those things where they've expanded to like different flavors. I will admit, I did buy the pumpkin spice Special K. How is it? Uh, <laughs> I'm still eating the Honey Nut Cheerios. 
Emily Flippin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.